Welcome to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. In this program, Marty discusses waterfowl and upland bird hunting, as well as the clay target shooting sports, with some of the top industry leaders and shooting pros from around the world. If you're just starting out or you've been hunting and shooting for years, we'll have wing and clay target news and information that you can use. Now, here is your host, Marty Fisher. And a very, very, very welcome to all of my wing shooting buddies out there, clay shooting buddies out there. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. It is, you know, here we are in the month of June, uh, toward the end of June, and it uh, it's supposed to get hot. I mean, it, I don't even, it's not even summer yet, but you can't tell that by walking outside at my house. I mean, it's 95 degrees today, and my wife has decided that she wants me to put down some sod around the swimming pool. And I've, I've got to tell you, I'm a little bit too old for that. But we're not here to talk about that stuff. We're here to talk about <clears throat> wing shooting, clay shooting, uh, not only here in the United States, but all over the world. And I'm, I'm changing the show up a little bit because I've got a very special guest today. And uh, he actually has some house guests that uh, he's got to go uh, spend some time with, so I, I, I'm going to put the what's going on around the world here toward the end of the show, and um, <clears throat> so that we can talk a lot about what's going on. I want to I want to bring in a really good friend of mine. Uh, this is John Wiles. John owns a company called Best Wing Shooting. It's bestwingshooting.com, and John is. Uh, uh, Sent me, sent my uh, my old TV partner Bruce Scott. You know we we've been kind of around the world with John, if you will, and uh, you know to some really 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 great places. But you know here recently there's been some conversation, um, you know, floating around with uh, with with shooters that travel that things are not going all that well down in South America, especially in Argentina, where most of the American shooters go. And I know a lot of the shooters from from Italy and Spain and, and other places also go there. And um, so I thought it would be wise to uh, to bring John on and, and uh, talk about that a little bit. And of course, we'll talk a, a lot more <clears throat> than just that. Uh, but um, hey, before I bring John on, and I'm getting ready to do that, my first segment's brought to you by my good friends at the Crushable Vault. If you don't know this company, I want you to do yourself a favor. Go to crushablevault.com because if you're like me, you carry gun cases. You've got guns. You throw them in the back of the truck. You throw them in the SUV. You throw them in the trunk of the car. Put them in the back seat. You put a darn blanket over them so nobody will know they're in there. Well, let me tell you something. A petty thief is looking for that kind of stuff, and the Crushable Vault guys came up with a system that absolutely doesn't allow those thieves to get their hands on your guns and get them out of your vehicles. So <clears throat> go in and check them out. They've got uh, they've got a, a number of great products. they got stuff for ammo, for handguns, for shotguns, for rifles. You check them out, crushablevault.com. If you see something in there that you like, uh, when you go to checkout, there's a little promo box up there. Type my, my name in there, type Marty, and they will give you an instant 10% off. But I want you to go there and take a look. I use the product, and I can promise you, I feel very, very safe with my guns in my truck at all times when the Crushable Vault is protecting them. So, CrushableVault.com. Now, here's my buddy, John Wiles. John, I, uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm i not going to give you a long introduction. I'm going to let you very quickly tell, tell us 
two or three minutes about John Wilson, and then we're going to start talking about bird shooting all over the world, but we're going to South America and find out what's going on down there. So, John, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, Marty. I, um, of course, I've been on before, so but uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to start with, you and I had a conversation today, and it's amazing in the shooting fraternity, uh, we were talking about going back to 1980 when we first started going to South America. <laughs> So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've been we've been doing this for a while now, and then uh, and I know you shot all over Canada, and I have too, and Mexico, and all these other places, and so yeah, and and you're the one. In fact, you and Bruce are the ones who did a show on uh, shooting driven partridges in Spain, and of course that yes, immediately went on my bucket list, uh-huh. and uh, I've been I've been able to uh, to check that one off because of uh, the show I saw with you and. Uh, some other places that it led me to as well. So. Well, you, you know, and, and traveling around the world is, is, is huge fun. I mean, uh, you know, I, the, the first time I went, again, 1980 was to Columbia. Well, you know, we can't do that anymore. And I, I, I remember driving, you know, out to the field the first morning that we went out there. And, you know, we're not up before daylight. I mean, you know, we're having breakfast at 8 o'clock. And I'm Columbia thinking, what in the world? The gentlemanly hunting we ever did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like, what in the world is going on here? The birds were already flying, but come to find out, there they didn't fly until mid morning. So, <laughs> you know, and I looked up and in got the, up and had in a leisurely breakfast. That that, that wonderful yeah. Colombian coffee. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, it, listen, when you can stand a spoon up in it and it doesn't fall over, <laughs> you know that's real coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I put it. I, I, mine. I think I turned into cafe au lait. I put enough. Uh, I put enough milk in that thing so I could drink it. But uh, but you know, but in you, Columbia, you started, and you're you, right. You of all the your places business, I've uh, ever hunted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. You, okay, that's all right, John. You started your business, Best Wing Shooting, uh, because of your passion. I mean, you're a retired educator. Yeah. You you're in the school system, you know, for many, many, many years. And you know, thank goodness there's there. Yeah, we've got the kids back shooting now in in uh, in a big way. And and I'm going to talk about that uh, you know toward the end of the show a little bit. But uh, you know, once you got into doing this, John, I mean, uh, you know, one of the one of the places that we all go is down to South America because it's easily accessible from from the states and there are a lot of really good places to go so uh, talk a little bit about that how you got got launched into into going there and 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 tell us a little bit about about uh, uh, you know finding places to hunt and traveling to to check them out and all of that stuff I mean people need to know you know you're just not picking a spot you actually go there uh, yeah, well, I started like everybody starts in uh, in their hunting career, and that is I went with Frontiers. That would have been the 30 or so years ago when you talk about 1980. I went with Frontiers. You went with Trek, but mm-hmm. I went to Columbia as well and um, and got to shoot with uh, Bill Farfan, who was the South American skeet shooting champion. And I mean, the, the thing about doing some of the things that we do is the experience. Of course, it's the shooting. I mean, I was going because I loved shooting, and I wanted to go someplace where I could do some, what they call, volume shooting. And so, uh, but going to Columbia was what an experience, and, and, and what an experience from the standpoint that at that time even, uh, when at the hotel that we st- where we stayed, there was an armed guard with a big chain across the gate that let you into the parking area. <laughs> 
uh-huh. of the hotel, and that was prior to or just around the time when the drug lords <clears throat> started taking over a lot of the Colombian farming down there. Right. And I, that, which reminds me, and I'll lead into something else, um, you're right. Uh, from there, I started uh, looking at other people that were offering hunts. I would go to the places, uh, especially in Argentina, um, go to the places that I'd looked up and I, back then we had magazines, you know, we didn't have the internet back then, and so you get a magazine and you dog-ear all the pages of all the places you want to check out and and uh, send them a letter or call uh-huh. them on the phone and uh, get get a, a number, a foreign number with a guy speaking Spanish on the other end, and he has to find somebody who speaks English to uh, to talk to you about coming down. But it was, as you well know, uh, back then traveling out of the country was... Not only easy, it was quite safe back then. Um, you didn't have a problem in bringing your firearms on a trip. Um, it was pretty simple. <clears throat> no, uh, 2011, of course, changed all that. Mm-hmm. But um, but back then it was very easy and very simple. In fact, um, to digress a little, but I went to um, a driven shoot in, um, in uh, Slovakia. And I got off the plane in Geneva, Switzerland, and uh, was to be met at the airport by the guy who was taking us. And we're standing there waiting for our guns to come out or waiting for somebody to come and tell us where to go to pick up our guns. And our guns come out on the, on the luggage carrier with everybody else's luggage. So we pick them up. We turn around. We look. Everybody else is walking in this direction. We take off walking in that direction. And a gentleman steps off from the side, and he said, excuse me, are those firearms? And we said, yes, they are. And he said, do you have your documents for going hunting? And we said, yes, which we did. Pulled them out of our pocket and showed them to him. He looked at the documents and he said, I hope you have a wonderful time while you're visiting here. And out we walked. (laughs) Now, that was the day, Marty, if you'll remember back when those were the kinds of the way you were welcomed into those foreign countries. Mm -hmm. Much different now. uh, Well, it it is. And, you know, which which brings me to that. I mean, you know, I've I've been to, you know, you obviously are down there all the time, but I've had the the pleasure of of going to to Argentina uh, 17 times. Yeah. All sorts of different places. I mean, I've hunted all all over that country. I've been in Corrientes and Entre Rios and Buenos Aires and Cordoba and San Luis and Santiago del Estero. <laughs> I mean, I've been all over that country, and uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it it it's gotten a little bit more complicated because they they changed up some things. They walk you to death for one thing, you know, with, with your guns. And so many people don't don't take guns now. The, all the lodges have right. great guns that you can that you can can rent i mean you don't even have to take Correct. your firearm but yeah. but um or, or have you seen any any changes since the last time i was down there i mean which is a couple of years ago um as far as uh, bringing guns and that kind of thing in yeah no it's 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 still if you're going to south america especially if you're going to argentina there it's sort of like going to south africa they're used to having people bringing guns in the outfitter will provide you the paperwork or you provide the outfitter the information on your firearm and he'll prepare the paperwork for you and mm-hmm. it's a fairly it's fairly easy especially going into Cordoba I think it's a little more difficult in Buenos Aires there's a lot more like you said a lot more carrying guns around a lot more going to different places but it's pretty uh, pretty expedited in uh, Cordoba yeah Cordoba and and, and uh, they're they're 
group that handles that? Is that uh, what Renal, something like that? They call that. It used to be called Renar, uh, R E N, capital mm-hmm. R E N A R, all capital mm-hmm. letters. And mm-hmm. now I think the name of that organization has changed. I can't tell you what it is off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that it has. Um, it's interesting because another place that's gotten quite popular in South America is Bolivia. Right. Right. <clears throat> and um, and when you fly into um, when you fly into the oh gosh, where do we go in Bolivia? Well, Santa something, isn't it? Santa, Santa, uh, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, no, I've been Santa there. Cruz. I've been there one time Santa to Bolivia and had, and had a blast. Cruz. I can tell you that. I mean, we shot <laughs> we shot a lot of a lot of doves, and well, we really shot more pigeons than we shot doves. But uh, yeah, but it was it was terrific. Yeah, Ver- Veracruz is where you fly yeah, to. Yeah, mm-hmm. Veracruz, right. And when you fly into Veracruz, the outfitter that uh, I use there, he actually meets you in the baggage claim area, and he has the paperwork with him. Uh, he has a representative there to work with the baggage handlers if there are any questions. They actually, it's pretty turnkey from the time you get off the plane until the time you get back on. They take care of you. So it's it's very, it's slightly different. A little easier, but um, but yeah, Bolivia is another one of those places sure. where <clears throat> well, and, and, it's you know, becoming and more it's popular for with the, you know with the shooting. proper with the proper booking agent and the proper you know liaison folks. It's very very simple. Hey John, we're up oh, on yes. a break. I want to take that. When we come back, we're gonna we're gonna start. Uh, you know the the word on the street is the bird numbers are changing or something like that. I want to get into that a little bit with you and um, you know we we're, you know we're gonna, we're going to get rid of the fake news and come up with the with what's real. So folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages with John Wiles and Wing and Clay Nation. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And welcome back. And hey, if you are a Facebooker, by all means, go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash wingandclayradio. Uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash wingclaynation, and Instagram at instagram.com slash wingandclayradio. And uh, I'm going to get back with John Wilde here. We're getting ready to really start talking about what's going on down there in Argentina because, you know, you hear the rumblings that things have changed a little bit. And, I, yeah, I'm not so sure that's right. But you know what, folks? I am sure about one thing. This portion of the show is brought to you by my good friends at Negrini Cases. And you know, if you don't have seen a Negrini case, and you probably have, because if you if you've got, you know, if you've got a Beretta, if you've got a Benelli, if you've got a Blosser, a Browning, a Garini, a Fab Arm, a Parazzi, you know, all of those, you've seen Negrini cases because they make cases for all of those manufacturers. But what you may not have seen is some of the custom cases that they make that are absolutely magnificent. And I want to encourage you, if you've got a really nice gun like I do, I've got mine in a really, really nice Negrini case. And, uh, you know, rich Italian leather accents and just just beautiful, uh, very, very, very uh, safe to use, very protective. I mean, uh, a third the weight of aluminum, but every bit is strong. So check them out, negrinicases.com. And if you find something in there you like and you buy uh, something for $200 or more, dollars, they will send you their new waterproof shot shell case that holds 100 rounds of ammunition, and they'll throw the shipping in for free. Negrinicases.com. Go check them out. Now, let me get back to John Wiles of Best Wing Shooting. And John, <clears throat> you know, we, you and I, you know, we talk off and on. And, and uh, you know, a recent conversation that we had, uh, you know, you said, hey, Marty, what, you know, what are you hearing? I mean, there are people talking about the, the bird numbers going the pot down in South America, especially Argentina, because that's where most of the people go. I mean, I, I remember a, a few years, this was, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. The head of Raynor, I had actually somehow my gun had been misplaced by one of the airlines, and thank goodness we were, we we got that taken care of. But you know, I was talking to this guy, and he and he told me, Marty, you know, there are more than ten thousand American shooters that come to Cordoba every year. That was seven or eight years ago. Where where are we now? Well, first of all, there's a lot more hunters that have been going to Argentina. Uh, when the economy started getting good again, uh, there were a lot more people who booked hunts to Argentina. And in 2017, I believe I'm telling you correctly, the statistics Uh were that 20,000 hunters went to Argentina. Now, that's not counting any of the Europeans we were talking about earlier. The Europeans, the Spaniards, the, the French, the English. It's primarily Americans who go down there to do volume shooting. 
Um, that, that large number of people, so we'll talk about that first. <clears throat> and if you go for volume shooting, you you want to shoot a lot. I mean, the limit on, on doves here in the United States is 12 and 15 in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. In Argentina, mm-hmm. there's no limit because they are considered a pest. And um, they, in, well, it's been a few years ago now, but it's always been said that there were 50 million doves in Cordoba province alone, which is a big mm-hmm. province, but 50 million <laughs> yes. is also a big mm-hmm. number. And there are at least two major roosts. These are undeveloped pieces of land, very large, thousands and thousands of acres, and they became the predominant roost areas for the doves in the Cordoba area, at least in part of the, in the big part of the Cordoba area. <clears throat> well, if there are 50 million doves in an area, and you have 20,000 hunters, and let's 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 cut it back some. Let's say we have 20,000 hunters, but only 15,000 of them are dove shooters. They, they go to Argentina just to go dove shooting. Maybe something else, but primarily dove shooting. Well, if 15,000 guys go to Argentina dove shooting, and each of those guys shoots 1,000 doves in three days, not a day, mm-hmm. just in three right. days, because right. a typical trip is three days. Mm-hmm. Well, if 15,000 guys shoot 1,000 doves in three days, that's 15 million right there. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was, let's say that they hunted four days or say they shot 1,000 a day, if you had 15,000 guys who shot 1,000 a day, that would be 45 million. Right. Now, of course, it doesn't work out that way, and people don't shoot those kinds of numbers all the time. But the, the point is that I think, in reality... This idea of managing your resource was a foreign concept in Argentina for a long time, sort of like the passenger pigeon. We had millions of them. We always had millions of them. Nothing was going to ever keep us from having millions of them. Well, two things. First, your number of hunters kept increasing. Uh, That's one. And the second thing is, I believe it was in 16 and 17, I think in those two years, or 17 and 18, those two years, there was a huge, huge, devastating thunderstorms that contained large and heavy hail. Mm -hmm. And the hail and the storms covered these uh, roosts, roost areas. It was really unprecedented to have that kind of violent storms with that kind of hail in these areas. And literally... That killed a lot of the birds. Well, if you couple nature and its ability to control population with hunters who are coming down to shoot volume uh, amounts, it's a pretty good recipe for really reducing the dove population. But wait, that was the whole goal of this because the farmers wanted the doves reduced or gotten rid of because they're the ones who are eating all of the agricultural crops that they needed to make money. So having the hunters come in and pay to be able to shoot the doves offset the money that they were losing 
in their farming practices. So there's a big cycle going on here. You can probably figure that out. Sure. And uh, I want to say this. This is, and I think this is important. The worst day of dove shooting in Argentina is going to be better than the best day you ever shot doves in the United States. Oh, without question. Yeah. <laughs> without so, question. And, but, and you can still shoot good numbers now here and here's the thing right. john and, and this is something that we that we didn't we didn't talk about and uh you know probably need to you know the doves are really prolific down there so you know oh, yeah. they they had those couple of years you know the, where they really got you know the the populations got somewhat decimated you know by weather and by the hunters of course but you know just the hunting alone uh, they've always been able to sustain themselves because these birds, you know, will, will nest every other month. Well, so starting in usually in late August or in September, they'll nest at least four times, sometimes uh-huh. more, but yeah. at least four times between then and February. And they have two eggs each time they nest. So the chances, and this is something else that we need to bring into this, the outfitters as a union, as a group, have agreed not to hunt November and December of this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And that's right in the middle of the breeding season. So they're doing their part by cutting back on their incomes to give a chance for the birds to repopulate. And I think that's really a sound, sound, sound thinking on their part. So folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages with John Wiles and Wing and Clay Nation. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside the minds of the players and coaches? We talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college sports. We'll review and preview this week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are t- 
tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And welcome back. Hey, you know, if, uh, if you don't listen to every one of our shows live, one thing you can do uh, we're on a whole bunch of podcast sites. I mean, if you like iTunes, and I'm not sure what Apple's doing with iTunes these days, but uh, we've got something going on there, and and they'll have uh, they'll have something coming up. But TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher all carry Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation, so you can go in there and just find a whole bunch of shows. But hey. John Wiles, we were talking just a few minutes ago about what's going on down in Argentina. And, you know, I, you were talking about the birds, uh, you know, their nesting time and the farmers coming together to uh, uh, and the outfitters to, to not hunt certain times of the year. I think that's absolutely great. But one thing, and, and I want to say this, one thing that that a lot of hunters don't realize is what they used to do before we had the, you know, uh, all of the, the 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 hunters coming down there. I mean, in Argentina, the, the, they used to put they put DDT. I mean, they were they were you know, which is terrible stuff. I mean, they'd spray DDT all over the the roost areas. They would dynamite the roost. They had gauchos riding around in the fields on horses, throwing firecrackers, trying to get them to get the birds to continue to get up where they wouldn't eat. Because, you know, I, I heard a number one time that the birds were getting 35 to 40 percent of the grain crop, and that's just remarkable. When you're planting and something is taking 30 percent of your basically of your income, that's that's a big number when you go to the market, you know. So, no, it was definitely and, and continues to be, or it doesn't continue to be a problem because the loss of revenues from farming has, in many, in many cases, has been offset by the money that has paid the farmers for utilizing their property to let people shoot doves there. And so that, that was the thing. The other thing we were talking about is in the court of a proper and and the you know the fact that dove numbers appear to be down right now they're they're not going to shoot in in December uh, November December give the birds a chance to repopulate all oh, that's I think that's great I'm with you I think that's a very good thing uh-huh. but people also need to understand that there are many more doves in Argentina than just in Cordoba you mentioned some areas where you had hunted I think it was on the show but places like Salta and Corrientes and Entre Rios. It's not all just right in or in the Cordoba area. There are, are Santiago de la Estera. You and I hunted in Santiago de la Estera. You and, and, it, was and it was phenomenal. And it was phenomenal. Yes, but it was. it's further north, and so the season for you to be able to shoot there, it's a much narrower window because it gets so hot there in mm-hmm. their summertime, which would be our wintertime. Right. So the, the, the opportunity, window of opportunity is smaller, and they don't have the infrastructure to support large numbers of people coming there, which is why Cordoba has always been so popular. The infrastructure is there. The, the airport was geared up for Americans. The outfitters built their places within driving distance of the Cordoba airport. So that's how the industry grew. The, a couple of things are going to probably happen, I think, and one is either the bird populations will will repopulate, and, and you'll be getting a lot of advertising and marketing that the birds are back or those kinds of things. And the other thing is I think 
the outfitters will also start to look at how do we expand our operation, how do we go to Santiago del Estera and make sure we have birds whenever the hunters come. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know I yeah. went, um, you know, San Luis, which is across the mountains. Now, that was an ambitious climb in, in uh, that uh, that bus that we rode in, and and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a lot of fun. We're up there where the condors fly around. <laughs> but, sure. Uh, yeah. But, you know, once Absolutely. we got on the other side, I mean, we actually went, uh, I, I went over there a couple of times. One time to um, Merlo, which is uh, just a beautiful yeah. town, and that's, that's kind of a vacation spot for uh, you know, for, for the Argentine folks, I mean, uh, it, it has one of those microclimates, you know, a lot like San Diego. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. nice and cool in the morning, uh, blue skies, you know, like 90% of the time. They don't get a lot of rain. It never gets really hot. And we actually hunted over there in a uh, in a place, in, in a big, gigantic uh, farm that grew the seeds for yeah. all of the farmers. And right. they they had just and there was no hunting over there at all for a long time. And then you know they they kind of figured uh, you know with what was going on in Cordoba, hey, we need to bring some of these folks over here right. because we can't control these birds. The bird numbers are just crazy. And it wasn't just doves over there; it was pigeons as well. You know, which right. is a whole nother thing. You know, because uh, you know the pigeon population had to be affected too. You know, by some of the uh, some of the weather conditions that you're talking about, and they don't breed as often as the doves. No, they only breed so, once a year, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, I but, mean, and I love again, pigeon shooting. I mean, that is lots. Well, I, of fun. I was going to say to you, we, we talk about how everybody wants to go to Argentina shoot pigeons. I was one of them. So, I mean, I understand when people want to do that kind of thing. I'm with them. I, I understand what they're talking about. But you know. In Argentina, and don't we we need to touch on Bolivia before we get off, but sure. or I get off, yep. but um, but in Argentina, pigeon shooting is just out of this world, and it's not unusual to shoot 150 or 200 pigeons in a day. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible hunt, and there are plenty of pigeons near Cordoba or in up in the mountains from Cordoba within three hours, within an hour mm-hmm. to three hours yes. of Cordoba itself. There's marvelous pigeon hunting. You don't have to limit yourself to just going and shooting doves. You know, and I know, that there can be great duck hunting. Well, great it's just phenomenal and the duck limit- hunting. And, 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 of course, you're, you're going, you know, the seasons are opposite. You know, right now it's wintertime down there. You know, we're up here you know, sweating our butts off, but it's wintertime in Argentina. And uh, you know, so the and the duck season is uh, you know is is just getting really rolling and and will roll right on through July and into August and and the shooting can be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and August is like the heart of winter. Duck season is o- over around August the fifteenth, but you you and I both know, having been up in the mountains and shot pigeons, that mm-hmm. you know one of my greatest memories was to shoot pigeons in the snow on the sixth of July. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you don't forget things like yeah, that you when you're in the you mountains. Tell people and you're that here in the in the states, and they think, they think you're uh, you, you had a little too much to drink. But uh, yeah, yeah, doesn't make know. any sense. But yeah, that's that's oh. one of the beautiful things about South America is the fact that their seasons are the opposite. So mm-hmm. you love to duck hunt, man. You can go in June, July, and August and have incredible duck hunts. Well, and, without the, and they have liberal now, limits. You, you know, you, you mentioned that I don't, I don't, because I know uh, yeah, we're we're running out of time with you because you okay. have you have house guests that you've got to go attend <laughs> to. But let's talk about Bolivia a little bit. You know, I've been there one time, 
and absolutely just had a blast. It was uh, it was terrific. Now, the one thing I do remember probably more than anything else was when we were coming, we, we actually went to two lodges. And when we were coming back from the second lodge, uh, we started driving and we were on a dirt road. And, you know, I, I, we went and went, went, you know, miles and miles and never saw somebody going the other way. And I finally asked the guy, I said, you know, uh, does anybody live here? And he, he said, this, this road is 112 miles long. Mm-hmm. John, in that 112 miles before we got to a paved road, <laughs> one vehicle passed us yeah. going the other way. Okay, we went across, yeah. we went across three rivers that were, were dry. Because you yeah. know it, it was you know was, was dry at that time, and you know I, I can't imagine what you do if it's a wet season. But uh, but talk about Bolivia. I mean, you you've um, you've got an operation there that uh, is is just remarkable, and and I think folks would like to hear about that. I started uh, I started hunting in Bolivia probably now seven six seven years ago, and um, found a, an outfitter who had a wonderful reputation. I pro- should I plug people on the air or not? It, sure, it doesn't absolutely, matter to me. absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, well, I'm I met I actually heard about these guys, and so I began. What you remember how I work? So I started huh? investigating them. I contacted them on the internet. I emailed them, and and they said, "Gosh, we'd love to talk to you." So we talked on the phone. Um, the operation is called Bolivian Adventures. It is uh, run by a gentleman named Jorge Molina. George, but Jorge mm-hmm. Molina, and he actually came from Colombia to Bolivia and to start farming because, again, the um, drug lords were starting to take over Colombia. He saw the handwriting on the wall and was able to sell his farms and moved to Bolivia where land was cheap and so started got back in the farming business, and he actually works with some Mennonite farmers there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the Mennonites own literally hundreds of thousands of acres in Bolivia. One field that we shot pigeons in one time was just the one time we went, but the field was about probably 200, and 200 yards wide, whatever it would take, maybe three or four uh, of a gigantic uh, disc to go down it. But mm-hmm. it was maybe 200 yards wide and seven miles long. Yep, that's a pretty that's pretty big farming, and and that's Um, some pretty crazy stuff because you know I I saw all the Mennonites down there too, and you know you have those colonies, and it's it's really really strange because you know and they they have like a little commune thing there where you know or or a common type you know getting the right word here you know where some some family does the milk some family does this some family does that so that they all contribute to this little store, yeah and. You know that's how they how they trade because, you know you know we I remember we had a, a bunch of pigeons and you know this this husband and wife came up on their on their uh, horse drawn buggy and and uh, you know our outfitter asked him if they if they wanted some some pigeons and they said oh absolutely and and, and they were just the happiest people you've ever seen and and of course that oh, goes yeah. on all yeah. over South America because America because right. you know uh, the meat source down there a lot of times doesn't land in in the the common people's hands and you know they are absolutely ecstatic to get their hands on on especially pigeons and ducks i mean they they just right. uh, would give about anything to get those so right uh, but uh, but but bolivia is a, a remarkable place it's a, a huge 
sunflowers is what I saw. I mean, my gosh, you, sunflowers as far as you can see and a cloud of doves on top of them as far as you can <laughs> see. That's what I remember about Bolivia. It was absolutely crazy. Well, Jorge Molina, who runs Bolivian Adventures, his two sons work with him, his nephew works with him. It is a family-run operation. Could not ask for better people, better accommodations. He's got two lodges, uh, beautiful layout, uh, the shooting. And it's interesting because people have asked me, well, how's the shooting different in Bolivia than it is in Argentina? And you know that in Argentina, most of the time in the afternoons, you're, you're in a position where the doves are all flying to you. They're also mm-hmm. kind of flying mm-hmm. at you, headed toward the roof. In Bolivia, when you, you, your afternoon, in your afternoon shoots, the birds can be flying all kinds of directions. It's not just straight at you. They're rights and lefts and coming and, and also going and quartering and all of those. And mm-hmm. what happens is the later in the afternoon that it becomes, there's just more of them all flying in these different directions. So it's like pandemonium for about 30 minutes toward the end. It's, it's different, but it's just incredible. It's a wonderful thing to see it's, uh, if you're a dove shooter. And the pigeons, again, the pigeons, as you know, the pigeon shooting in Bolivia is just it's wonderful. They manage it, though. You only shoot one or two, have one or two pigeon shoots if you go down there dove shooting. Right, right. You have maybe three or four dove shoots and two pigeon hunts. They manage their pigeons. Well, you know, we're we're at the point where 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 they have to be wise. I mean, you know, yes, it, you start talking about in Argentina twenty thousand pigeons. That's just going to that one province. That's not right. what goes to all the other places. That's just right. going to that one spot. And you know, when you do the math, you know, like I say Bruce and I tried to do the math one time about. They said, well, a a, a dove or a pigeon or whatever, if they eat one ounce of grain a day. Mm-hmm. And there's X million of them. How much yeah. grain have they destroyed? And that that 50 is mil- a, an 50 million opening ounces is a lot of pounds. <laughs> yeah, it's an eye-opening number, and and that's that's the reason that that we're so welcomed to come there. But yeah. it is a resource like like we have here, and you know you can't just, you know, I mean, if you have a hiccup, which they did with the weather. I mean, you know when, uh, you know, I mean a dove can't take much i mean they're they're a little right. better than a quail but you know if you get big hailstorms and all of that kind of stuff bombing in into those roosts i mean you're you're going to do a serious serious damage so absolutely uh, my friend but i know john i know you've listened i know you've got to go i mean I, I i really appreciate you being on the show tell us if you if you would how to folks get in touch with you and folks let me tell you something i've been all over the world with this man and he knows how to get it done. So, John, tell us how can how can somebody if they've got an interest in going? And you go all over. I mean, you go to Europe. You go to, uh, I mean, Africa. You, you yeah, name it. I mean, you even you yeah. do stuff here in the states. So, uh, how do yeah. we contact you? Uh, the simplest way is on the internet, and you just type in bestwingshooting.com. You'll find me. It's the simplest way. Well, there's no question about that. And again, my friend, thank you so very, very much for for taking the time and and kind of clearing this up because I really had no idea. You know, I mean, I look at it like a lot of people when you start talking about 50 million doves in one province and, and you know what the reproduction rate is. How could we ever shoot them down? But when you ha- when Mother Nature steps in, yeah. you've got to you've got to you've got to pay attention. Changes the balance. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's all in a balance. So I'm glad they're doing what they're doing. But I, again, my friend, thank you so very much for being a, a part of the show. And and uh, look forward to seeing you down the road, John. Thank you. Marty, thank you so much. I enjoyed it too, my friend. Bye-bye. Okay, buddy. You bet. All right. That was John Wiles, bestwingshooting.com. And I'm going to tell you, John, John has... Um, has found some remarkable places uh, for for me to go over the years, and uh, we did a lot of TV. I mean, that, when we were talking about uh, Santiago del Estero, and he said, "Look, the infrastructure's not there," and he's right. I mean, we stayed in a little roadside hotel, but boy, the shooting was absolutely phenomenal. And um, you know, he's he's on the pulse of it, and um, you know, get in touch with John. He's uh, he he'll take good care of you. Now, <clears throat> you know we. We kind of got away from from the normal routine of the show. You know, I, I generally I'm I'm talking about what's going on in the world. We've got wing and clay news. We got things of that nature. And you know, uh, while it the, the bird shooting down in Argentina is as wide open as it, wide open as it can be right now, we've got a lot of clay shooting going on here in the states. And um, you know, a couple of things that uh, that have, that have just recently happened. They just finished up that uh, eight thousand plus shooter. Uh, Minnesota uh, State, uh, the Clay League that they have there, they got fourteen thousand kids in that in that league alone, just in that one state, and they just finished that up, and uh, I think they had forty of the teams qualified for the next level shoot. It won't be eight thousand plus kids at this one, but uh, there'll be quite a few. But one one of the things that 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 is happening that that's really good news. You know, Scholastic Clay Target Program is growing and growing and growing and growing, and and right now it looks like this year is going to be a record year. Um, the signups for teams uh, they've already got uh, folks from from 28 states signed up. at 20 percent ahead of of uh, of the best year that they, that they ever had in that. I know that my local team here uh, from in in Savannah, Georgia, from Forest City Gun Club, they uh, uh, they may actually be favored to uh, to win a national shoot this year. They finished uh, second as a team last year, and uh, just recently uh, beat uh, the other the, the winning team and the third place team in uh, in a head to head. So uh, it looks like. Uh, uh, it's going to be another great event. That's up at the Cardinal Shooting Center in Marengo, Ohio. That's just north of Columbus. And, you know, one of the things that, that also happened that I think is just great news, and, uh, you know, they do such a great job at Cardinal. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a couple of weeks ago now, but uh, Ben Barker, who's uh, the president of Scholastic uh, Shooting Sports Foundation uh, and, and executive director of that organization, announced that they're they signed a deal with Cardinal uh, to host these national events through 2029, and that is just great news because that's a kind of in the you know I, I won't say center of the country, but it's it's in a place that people can get to. You know, Columbus, Ohio, where Ohio State is. I mean, folks can get there. Make no mistake about that. And um, you know, I'm really. Uh, Really pleased that uh, that they did that because that is a remarkable shooting facility. If you've never been there, it uh, it's certainly something to see. And uh, hey, I want to congratulate uh, Zach Kingbaum. You know, Zach uh, won the uh, Sporting Clays National last year, National NSCA National in San Antonio, and he is on fire again. And I mean, these events are hard to win. I mean, these. 
these these young folks nowadays, I mean, I'm an old guy, but these young folks nowadays are remarkable shots when it comes to shooting clays, whether it be skeet or trap or or sporting clays. But Zach has now won two regional championships in a row. He won the Western Regional and he won the North Central Regional uh, this past week up in Kansas. And, um, you know, th- trust me, that's hard to do. I mean, there are a lot of really, really good shooters. And they've just recently also announced where the, in 2020, the next year we've, you know, got a presidential election, but that's not all that's going on. Uh, we've got a great uh, championship tour for the National Sporting Clays folks. Uh, you know, the Southeastern Regional is going to be in Florida at the South Florida Gun Club. Uh, the Northeast Regional is at M&M Sporting Clays. Uh, the U.S. Open is at Claythorne that just hosted the um, uh, the regional event. Uh, the World Fitask is at Providence Hill Farm in Mississippi. The North Central Regional that was just held is going to Northbrook Sports Club uh, north of Chicago. The South Central Regional is at uh, the Greater Houston Sports Club. I, that's a that's a beautiful facility down there in uh, Houston. I had the uh, privilege of designing their first sporting clays course. And the Western Regional is at uh, Clark County Shooting Complex in in uh, Las Vegas. I, I also designed that facility. And I'm I'm going to tell you something. Those are some great places where people can go and shoot. And uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of looking at my notes here. I want to want to try to cover everything. Uh, my good buddy Mike Davy. I mean, a lot of folks that are in the clay target world will know Mike Davy. Mike uh, originally came uh, to the states from England, but like like me, he's a, a gun club designer. You know, he's designed a lot of shooting facilities, and you know, Mike's had some some serious serious health issues and uh uh you know I, I just got a message from him that says uh he went to the doctor and he is now cancer free and mike that is great great news he's still got some other health issues but let me tell you something he's a great guy and our and folks keep uh, mike davy in your thoughts and prayers because uh, we need him out there well we've just about come to the end uh what a great show. You know, John Wiles, I, I can't thank him enough. I mean, that information that he gave us as to what's going on down in South America with bird numbers. I mean, I, I you know, you think that's an uh, infinite number, you know, that never, never, never goes away. And the fact of the matter is it's not. Um, you know, Mother Nature stepped in there, big hailstorms, things like that. But, you know, there are other places to go shoot while Argentina recovers, and um, and I'm confident that uh, that that is taking place. But folks, we're at the end of the show. I appreciate you joining us this week. By all means, uh, check us out wingandclayradio.com. Go to our Facebook page, give us a like, facebook.com/wingandclayradio, and by all means, go check out my buddy John Wiles, bestwingshooting.com, folks. Be safe, shoot well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Please join Marty again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week's show, think safety first and good shooting. 